Welcome to Strong Runner Chick Radio, a leading online community where our goal is to educate, empower, and connect female distance runners across the world. We believe in healthy running, fueling, and embracing our strength as female distance runners inside and out. Through interviews with top professional, collegiate, and master's level runners, leading dietitians, coaches, sports psychologists, and runners of all shapes and sizes, we hope to spread the message that there is no one-size-fits-all approach to distance running. Now, let's get to the show. Hello, Strong Runner Chicks. Welcome to another episode of SRC Radio. I am so excited because we have Adrian back on. Welcome, Adrian. Thanks for having me again. Y'all oh, are brave. Oh my goodness. Oh, very funny. Um, <laughs> I, we, Adrian and I, last time we had Dr. Hagen, I think that's how you say her last name. I think so. Okay. Yes. So, um, we had her on and we totally geeked out all things sports psych. I think Megan was with us and I'm not sure she got a word in because we were talking so much. That was, that was a fun chat. That really that, was. That was a blast. And I think that was back two years ago, December, or two years ago, November, um, for our episode 59, which is insane wow. to me. I wow. know. So we are so grateful that Adrienne is joining us again. She wrote this incredible piece for us, which we'll get into. It's up on the website. I hope you all have read it by now. Um, but I wanted to just catch up. What is new in life? Like, how are things going? I know so much has changed in not only two years, mm-hmm. but just in this last six months, it's insane, but yeah, fill us in on what's going on and how you're doing. Yeah, I heard this great way of describing how we're currently doing. I'm doing great at arm's length. We'll put it that way. Uh, just with all the COVID craziness and everything like that. Um, I think overall, I mean, I've been really fortunate to, I've been practicing in some form or fashion throughout the pandemic. I mean, my work has looked very different. I've been doing, I've got, I've stepped up my mental health work because A, it's just incredibly necessary right now. And B, it was, you know, I needed to see clients. So I needed to, you know, keep the ball rolling and everything like that. But uh, here and now we are staying, I am standing here in my college station office. So my office is down the road from Texas A&M University. Love it or hate it. This is where I'm at. Um, and uh i've been i've lived here for six weeks but i've had my second office and it's been kind of an experiment because i was maybe looking for a small change of scenery it's not terribly far from where i I was living and working full-time but i was like well let's plant this office and really not do a ton to really promote it or market it but let's just see what happens if it grows maybe i'll consider transitioning and relocating and That's exactly what happened. So I'm uh, getting the lay of the running community and, you know, I have these great dirt roads that I can run on now, which is kind of cool. I have the university cross country course that I can go train on and stuff like that. So training wise, I, you know, I was, I still am now uh, because I think racing is slowly starting to pop back up on our radar is I was going to run my first marathon in about a decade. Okay. Literally a decade. Uh, last time I ran a marathon, it was 2010. Uh, it was amazing and it was terrible at the same time as a lot of marathons are. 
So I think I've finally grown enough and uh, developed, you know, kind of the skill set to take another crack at it. Then COVID hit and I was just like, oh man, but I've been working with a new coach, Dave Ames, since June, I believe. And um, I'm still hoping, uh, we're, we're training as if there's something happening in February, March. So we'll see, but I'm looking forward to slowly getting back into a little bit of racing. Cause I mean, I've been doing lots of running going on around here, but I've been enjoying it and I've kind of learned how to embrace it and especially being able to explore a new place and, you know, run routes I've never done before. That's been actually pretty refreshing. I miss my running group from back in the woodlands, but uh, yeah, it's, it's been good. I love your terminology of you're doing great at an arm's length. I think that's yeah. so clever and so witty and I absolutely adore it. Um, and I also, well, yeah, this is my little zone of what I can control. So here yeah. we go. So this is what we've got to work with. We, we can accept it or reject it. And mm -hmm. as hard as it is, I highly recommend that we do some work to accept it. I mean, it, it's been a, it's, it's been a, a journey to get mm -hmm. to the place where I can say that because yeah. it was not easy for a while, especially yeah. kind of late, late spring and everything mm -hmm. like that. So it's been really unique that me and my colleagues, I think you, you may be able to speak for this as well, Kelsey, is this is the first time we're simultaneously going through something our clients are going through. Mm -hmm. And, you know, in school, they were just like, well, we can't talk about the, you know, we need to leave these is issues off the table. Well, mm -hmm. guess what? The table turned over and there's stuff everywhere. So we, it's been a white elephant we've had to address. Yeah, absolutely. And I think also, too, if I was to sit in front of a client or even a student, because I'm also working with students right now, and really saying that I'm like, it's not affecting me, which, you know, like in, in some sort of counseling realms, you know, you kind of just leave a, a blank face sometimes. Right. But, you know, in this, if I was to say that to someone, they'd be like, who is this? Like, is she even a ro Like, is she even a human? Right. Are you so, human? So you're showing a little bit more humanity to folks that wouldn't really honestly see it that often or yeah. you leave a little bit of a nudge sometimes there just to be like yep I am a human here yep. um, but it's coming out more so yeah I think that's a great way of putting it because yeah. it's so true we are now going through what our clients or our students or whomever we're working with are also going through and it's mm -hmm. definitely a challenging time for everybody for sure I felt the same way yeah Mm -hmm. Yeah. And um, also so cool that you're being coached by Dave. Um, I actually know you him. You know Dave? I do. Yeah. <laughs> so he was, I met him because he was. That, well, y'all are from that same part of the country. Yeah. So that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so he was coaching a friend of mine for a while, and I, I think I just met him through the grapevine, and then he moved out to California, and yeah. so, yeah, so I do know him, and it's so funny, but I was curious, what marathon, were you training for a specific marathon before setting your sights on? I am really wanting to do the Phoenix Mesa Marathon in yeah. February. Um, number one, I really like that part of the country. Yeah. Number two, I live in a very unforgiving place with inconsistent weather. Yeah. And so therefore, um, <laughs> I was just like, you know what has consistent weather? Arizona. Yep. Uh, and a, a running buddy of mine recommended that race, said it was really fun. 
And, you know, it's close to Sedona Flagstaff. So if I want to turn it into kind of a little vacation afterwards, I can do that. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's the one I really have my sights on. Um, and, you know, the, the idea is I've qualified for Boston. I've been one of those really fortunate ones every time I've run a marathon, but I've yet to actually run the race. Gotcha. So it, it's probably kind of working out as it should um, with there being this interruption because Boston has some things they need to sort out before anybody can set foot on the course, you know, amateurs or elites, you know. Yeah, definitely. Awesome. Well, I think that's a great plan. I've never been before, but I've heard Arizona is amazing. It's on my to-go list. Yeah. Um, I would love to end up there, but I want to circle back because um, when I was introducing you and welcoming you to the podcast and to our guests, um, I spoke a little bit about this article that you wrote for our website mm -hmm. um, called Body Image, a discussion of and what we can do about it. Mm -hmm. So I read the piece, I've read the piece multiple times now, not uh -huh. because I'm an SRC kind of ambassador, whatever you want to call me, uh, but because I just think it's such a powerful piece and you speak to a lot of truth and honesty with it. So I would really love if you would want, be willing to share, um, you know, the reason you felt called to write this piece. Okay. Wow. Okay. I'm going, I don't want to specify names. Please excuse the dog. Um, it's all good. <laughs> I think, I, I think she's just going to hang out with me while we do this interview. So I love it. <laughs> yeah. So for the, the, the listeners can't see, but I have Mackenzie, the dachshund, uh, making a cameo on this, on this show. So Anyway, um, okay, so this actually came about about a month ago, and Instagram started it. I mean, I can't totally blame Instagram. You know, we're just like, social media is the reason for this. No, no, no. It is the human's reaction to the social media, and it's all the stuff that, in, that ensues to it. So there was a very well-known, very successful runner posted a... Uh, what was intended to be a joke of about how quickly am I going to lose my abs in the off season and stuff, which zooming out, you know, I kind of got where she was going, where she was trying to take it is look, it's not healthy and it's not possible to be in peak physical condition all the time, but maybe the image she chose and the way she worded it, there was a firestorm of comments. Uh, you probably saw this post, if you know what I'm talking about. I did see this post. Yes, and I think it got up to about 500 comments. Yeah. And I did not comment. However, uh, and I will, and we want to kind of put a pin in this uh, concept of communication, is on the back channel I started talking to another mutual friend Lauren Ross and she did comment and I don't blame her I was kind of cheering her on a little bit <laughs> but uh anyway so we got to talking and I just kind of threw out I, I was just like maybe I should write something about this and she's like will you please write something um so I was just like, okay, well now I have permission from a colleague and I have some confirmation because this is something I've wanted to put out, but just as the article says, I'd start typing 
And then I'd erase it all, walk away and do something else because it just didn't feel right. Uh, maybe it was just that the timing wasn't right for me or wouldn't see as many eyes or something, but something about not necessarily the post, but the conversation because it was so divided. And it was either people very upset uh, for the way it's portraying body image, or there's people just saying, this is not a big deal. I'm like, okay, we need to break this down and attach a why to both of these. If nothing else, just so we're a little bit more aware when we're scrolling. And this is both for the person posting and the person reading as well. Um, because we don't want to get into these gridlock, no win situations on the internet. It's not helping anything. So anyhow, um, so, I mean, I think I spent a couple hours on it and I proofed it and I apologize to everybody who's read it. It's very long, but I tried really hard to shorten it. And I think I shortened it by maybe a paragraph and I'm like, I can't, I was just like, it's, I can't break it up into parts. Um, it's just like people can take it or leave it, which I think that's how I've come to kind of frame my writing nowadays is instead of thinking about, okay, is this going to resonate with the audience? It's okay. Is this something that I'm proud of putting out? And that definitely passed that test is okay. I think I got everything across that I wanted to, let's just send it out and see what happens. So, and I think as far as I know, a lot of the reaction has been positive. Yeah. I mean, I think you touch on so many important parts, so many important aspects in this, right? Is, and that was one thing when I saw the post originally, Megan and Elena and I, you know, we immediately like zoomed and we were like, what do you think about this? Yeah. I think it was more so for us, like, as you said, like a real, we were really, I don't know, discovering what was going on in the comments here like because as you said like yeah there was there was so much to dive into here and there was mm -hmm. so much that was like really just like boggling our minds we couldn't kind of wrap our heads around yeah. this idea of like how divided people were. it was ex and it was very emotionally charged yeah. I mean there was some yeah. profanity on there there was a lot of leave her alone <laughs> all yeah. that kind of stuff I was like oh my gosh yeah it was it was really, really like, I think for me more so like a, a learn, a learning experience yeah. learning from others, what people's perspectives were, all this different, you know, opportunities to like, I kind of just took it as an opportunity to learn. Like, what are we learning here about others' perspectives? And like yeah. you said, attaching a why to it. So right. why might this person think this way? Or how come this, like, I almost wanted to sit down and have people and say to people, like, tell me your thoughts behind these comments. Like, where are they coming from? Because right. for me, I think maybe this is you too in like a counseling perspective. I always want to understand the person's perspective so I can better understand like where right. they're coming from. Um, so yeah, I definitely agree. Right. With you. I think you have done such a great job to really say to yourself like this is something I'm proud of and that I want to put out to people and I, I I think it was a beautiful piece and I don't think it was too long because it touched on Thank so you. many important aspects of it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah I, I mean I, it was I had to make a choice I was like okay do I talk about my own experience or do I leave that off the table but I'm like I think I need to I need to just be completely upfront is because yes, I am a psychotherapist that, and I work with, that works with athletes, but I mean, a decade ago, 
I was one of those girls who that photo probably would have affected negatively. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the way I interpreted it and how I feel about it today is a little bit different, but my thoughts were on, okay, the people who obviously see this as triggering and stuff like that. And like, it's basically, what do we do with this? And how, and how can we grow and it not just be a minefield every time we get on Instagram? Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, you're bringing up a really good point here about like this idea with like a being like having it be a minefield when someone goes on Instagram. And I think, I mean, this is going in totally different directions. Well, there's that whole cancel culture thing. And yeah, absolutely. And this idea of like, how can we set boundaries for ourselves that make us honor ourselves, you know, and recognize like it is empowering to set these boundaries and that we don't need to listen to all the folks who are on social media or try to live up to, you know, these professional runners or whoever they may be. Um, and that's a really important thing too. But I also want to dive really quickly into you, you know, choosing to share a little bit about your background, because I too would have been one of those women who would look at it, the, you know, more recently, like five years ago and been like, oh yeah, like really, inf like really affected probably by this. But so anyways, your choice to include your background, um, into this, would you mind sharing a little bit about your experience, um, with what you wrote in the article? Uh, yes. And honestly, it, it, it could have costed me, you know, it could have costed me my running. Uh, I mean, it got to a point to where I was getting stress fracture, stress fracture, stress fracture, excuse me, after stress fracture, uh, because, you know, I was not fueling myself properly because I had, you know, really internalized that idea that, I have to look like the women I'm racing is I need to be, I need to look like them, maybe even be a little bit thinner. Um, and it was, you know, it was, it, it just kind of started with just some benign comments when I was in graduate school. I remember being at a concert one night and, you know, typical me, I was excusing myself early because I had to go get up and run in the morning. And I just remember this guy looking me up and down. He's like, you're a runner. And he might as well have just punched me uh, or something like that. I was just like, that, I'm like, what did you just say? So, I mean, it, it, I, I, that was one of the beginnings. And then I think what that did was kind of turn my radar on to like, oh, there's a look to this. Uh, and I don't have it. And so, you know, one thing led to another. And then I decided, oh, I don't need to like eat cheese or eat sugar. And, you know, it was one of those things. It was definitely disordered eating. I mean, hundred percent up and down um, where it was, you know, it, it turned into, like I said, I was very, I was overtrained and underfueled and it's, I still see it as a huge blessing that I can still run and run at a decent level. And I think that's why I'm still racing even though, you know, I'm a few years away from 40 is I would like to finish on my own terms. My body is not going to break down before I decide, okay, we don't have to keep competing. Yeah. So, but, but it was just this image and this ideal that this is what you're supposed to do. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'd go to races and there'd be chatter where I remember, 
everybody who was injured would talk about their bodies, or at least that's what I was attuned to. I'm sure they were talking about other things, but I remember a woman uh, had an Achilles injury or something like that, was, and she was just like, well, I have to drink Slim Fast now, or I have to do this, and and again, reinforcing that, okay, are we running to eat, or is this the other way around? And, you know, people talking about weight gain if you get hurt or, you know, kind of conversations behind people's backs about how sad it is that this person's gained weight because they used to be so fast. I mean, I've, it was oxic. I mean, the mid, the early to mid like 2000s and, you know, I, I sat there and witnessed it. We've come away quite a ways in the running world, but it was at least my experience was pretty toxic. That sounds horrible. Like I, nobody can see my reaction, but Adrian and my reaction to a lot of those comments that you just mentioned or your experiences, like I, it makes your skin crawl. I was, oh my, I have goosebumps. I was like, this, this is disgusting to me. Like I cannot believe, oh, I'm getting like really heated up now. But, um, just going back to like the experience that you shared and, and, how much words matter. I don't know if people understand how much words matter when someone says something either in right. a conversation or right. someone says something directly to another right. person. So for those who are listening, who are, you know, going through this, I really encourage you not only to be mindful of your own words, but being mindful of setting those boundaries around conversations and being okay with walking away from conversations that are not serving you. That is so important to recognize that you don't have to join in in these conversations or be a part of it at all. Amen. Um, you know, I think it's so hard to do, to walk away from friends and be like, this isn't serving me or, you know, walking away from a coach and saying, you are harming me. Like that is hard and it may not happen right away, but recognizing the signs that it's really deteriorating you from the inside out. Yeah, it, it, it weighs heavily. So Adrian, I really just want to give you some credit for being able to move in the right direction and, you know, going away and going out on your own terms. Like that's beautiful mm -hmm. to be able to say like, I, I have a choice. I'm empowered enough to say this, mm -hmm. to do this in my own way. Well, and now, I mean, given that I've gone through this, I feel like I have more to offer the running community. Mm -hmm. Yep. Is yep. like, okay, is I, you know, I have, cause at first I was real hesitant about talking about my experience. Cause at first I had this idea it was unprofessional and all that kind of stuff. Yep. And then, you know, the more time I spent with clinicians and um, I work with eating disorders, I don't specialize in it, mm -hmm. but just how many women who are in the field who have gone through them and we're willing to talk about it. I'm like, wait, we're allowed to talk about this. Mm -hmm. I'm like, Oh, I'm like, well, this is really helpful then mm -hmm. because then I'm not just this woman sitting here preaching at people. Right. Like there is like, it actually really is dangerous. Yeah. Like I could barely walk for a while. This is, and yeah. I was, I was lucky that it didn't progress to something worse, mm -hmm. but you know, yes, there's personality and environmental and all kinds of other stressors. Right. But I think the match to the powder keg was just the attitude that I saw and picked up on mm -hmm. when, you know, I was just vulnerable. 
yeah. is I really, really wanted to be successful. At that point in my life, I identified very heavily with being a runner. Because mm -hmm. I mean, it's like, I, you know, I wanted to be on a shoe company's payroll, to be honest. So mm -hmm. it's just like, I was, I was all in. I'm like, okay, if this is what it means to be all in, yeah, spoiler alert, it's not. Um, <laughs> FYI, anybody? It is not, FYI, it is not. Um, but it was just like, I, you know, it was one of those things where we really, and this, this transcends body image, but it's so important to decide what we really think about something or if that's actually best for us. Mm -hmm. um, because, you know, it, it, it's, well, well, I'll still hear conversations, obviously, about food intake, the food narratives that we, mm -hmm. that were discussed in the article, yeah. and somebody was talking after, you know, after pretty heavy training about, they don't, they didn't want to consume something, I think it was a nutritional product or something like that, because it had so much sugar in it, mm -hmm. and, you know, I'm not a dietitian, but I'm like, don't we need that? And so that's where we have that. That's where we can draw the boundary internally and emotionally. Mm -hmm. And so I'm just like, Adrian, let that go. You can disregard that comment. Yep, exactly. Yep, absolutely. I love that. And I think that's so, you know, like I said, so powerful to be able to walk away from a conversation that's just not serving you or, you know, draw that boundary or draw that, yeah. however you want to yeah. identify that and say, like, yeah. I'm yeah, we are. It's like we're not, you know, we need to develop tools, and that's why right. therapy and everything is so important. But we can, yes, do people need to think about what they say and the impact? 100%. Mm -hmm. But we also have some control over what happens inside when we hear this kind of stuff. Yeah. And, you know, and this is hopefully a message to empower people that you know it is we need to kind of think in between the stimulus and the response mm -hmm. and figure out okay is this actually truth mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. absolutely yeah it's almost like fact finding right like right a fact finder trying to figure yeah. out what is going to what is actual fact and then not only that what is going to work for me with these facts um because well, yeah well if well let's, let's just say so often people like what they're doing right until they hear something different oh yeah mm -hmm. yep or have you ever done this? Have you ever done that? You know, oh, you're wearing you're wearing those. You need alpha flies or something like that. It's like yeah. we could always be manipulating. And yeah, I'm all about progress and I'm all about innovation. Mm -hmm. But we also have to realize too is we're not race cars. Um, we can't be modified modified forever for speed. It's just not going to work. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Um, so a little bit ago, you mentioned kind of using techniques that might be helpful to filter out some of this information. And I know um, some, one thing that I know you use quite a bit is CBT. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think what would be really great is if we started a little bit of a conversation now about First of all, what CBT is um, for people who sure. are not familiar with it, with what it is, and then maybe we can dive into like how we can use our aforementioned conversation that we just had using CBT so that folks who enter into these spaces that may mm -hmm. recognize, you know, some disordered patterns or like mm -hmm. comments and stuff like that, how they can work through it. So first right. off, what is CBT and, you know, kind of give us a little bit of an insight there. Okay. CBT is... Uh, it is the most researched therapy modality in existence uh, right now. 
It's been around, don't quote me on it, but I think since the 1960s or 70s, Aaron Beck pioneered it. And it initially was to treat depression, but I think it works beautifully sometimes with disordered thoughts about food, um, false beliefs, everything like that. So it essentially the basis of it is we have a core belief system, we have thought patterns uh, because our brains make shortcuts when processing information. And if the shortcut leads to the positive place, great. But a lot of times, and this is just part of being human, our shortcuts tend to put us in a place that actually causes more distress. And if that's the continuous pathway, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of stuff that can build up uh, and become even, you know, it can reach pathological levels. So CBT looks at addressing its identification. Okay. What is this thought pattern that I'm having? Is the, it, and is this maladaptive? And if so, why? And what are some alternatives and how can we restructure your thoughts when, um, you know, when, when these, the schema, they call it schemas, like I have to be thin to be fast or something like that. Um, when that gets activated by say a comment is okay. So somebody made a comment about their legs or something like or bad that just kind of, send your thought patterns in that direction, you can identify that, okay, I'm having these thoughts and what direction do I want to go with them? And that, that's kind of how we would use it in cases of body image and distorted eating is kind of separating, you know, truth from, you know, this ideal that doesn't even exist. Yeah, and um, beliefs that we have to that we have to look a certain way, weigh a certain thing. Uh, you know, the list goes on and on mm -hmm. for us to be worthy, and that's just not the case. Mm -hmm. Because yeah. there's so much more to being an athlete. There's so much more to being a person mm -hmm. than what you weigh, what you look like. If you have a six pack, if you don't have a six pack, mm -hmm. if we were to detach all emotion from this, it wouldn't matter. Mm -hmm. Like for some reason, I know this isn't just uh, America, but something about that aesthetic we've decided is desirable mm -hmm. or superior and we don't really question why, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And just to jump back to, for those who are listening, CBT's Cognitive Behavioral Therapy, um, we both were using the acronym, of course, just because mm -hmm. we would, but um, yeah. And so it's so much of... I don't know. I, I just think you've explained it so well. And I love the idea that you um, talk about, you know, I'm having these thoughts and like, kind of, what do I do with them now? You know, so I guess maybe the next place to go is like, what do I do with them now? So like, um, if you could give us a few examples of how CBT, what CBT might look like for someone who's struggling with body image or, or disordered eating or things like that and how they may, and I mean, I know it's very specific, Per, per person, but maybe some some general experiences that you've heard people uh, go through. Yeah, let's just do a mashup of some of the cases I've seen over the past few years. How about that? Perfect, love it. So the good and the bad food categorization. Um, this is, I mean, this is an ongoing battle. Uh, 
you know, in the office and of course, obviously in these poor individuals lives is there's this belief and it's distorted belief that, you know, a certain type of food is bad. Like something I see very common is that red meat is bad or, or veganism is good and the only way to eat or something like that. Or we can never have, we can never have sweets because if I do that, then I'm just going to, to binge on them and then I'm going to lose control. These are all faulty beliefs that really don't have any basis. And do we want to eat cupcakes all day long? No. But can you eat a cupcake? Absolutely. But we see a lot of rigid thinking with good or bad foods. And if they consume or even around a food, labeled bad or no or something like that a lot of times it creates a lot of anxiety um and depending on who who the individual is what's actually going on it can be extremely distressing which to somebody who hasn't been through this it's, it's hard to understand but you know i you know also i i recall many many years ago like super bowl parties were very stressful for me because it was all about junk food. I'm just like, how am I gonna eat? I'm like, there's nothing I can eat there. So I would sit there probably hours before the party would start trying to figure out how I could eat. And which it is, it's kinda, if, if, if I could like put my arm around my old self, I'd be like, see that table? Go pick something that looks good and put it on your plate. But I just couldn't get there. It was just so, and it's just like a wall goes up in these individuals that, I can't eat this end of story. This is bad. Bad things will happen if, if I consume it. So what we have to do is deconstruct that thought pattern and essentially, okay, so why, why are you not allowed to eat dessert? Um, and a lot of times it's this, it comes from a belief that other people can, but I can't, or my coach told me this, my parent, somebody, told me that I shouldn't be eating this because I'm in season or something like that, whatever that is. So I have them stop and look at like the direct evidence of the situation. So like, tell me about a time, cause usually they have had dessert or something before this was an issue. And I'm like, okay, what happened after you did this? They can't remember because it was unremarkable. And so we have to tell them, okay, well, why is it different now? And, you know, I kind of have to really push and push and push here, obviously very supportively, because if I push too hard, we're just going to have shutdown. But what, what I want them to do is examine their beliefs and why they have them. And then the consequences of that, which is usually a lot of anger, distress, disordered eating, um, you know, it just kind of runs the gamut. Sorry, I kind of lost my way in words there, but hopefully that makes sense. No, that is, that's great. And it's so accurate. And I think, you know, one thing that I wanted to mention prior in our conversation and really is brought up now, because you mentioned it, um, when you said that, you know, clients you've worked with have, they've had someone make a comment or something along those lines. But what ends up happening, and, and a lot of people forget this, is we act in ways that we've learned before. So mm -hmm. a lot of the things we do are learned behaviors because either we've seen someone model them 
or right. we've seen someone, um, you know, say something to us. So I think for those who are listening, um, and Adrian, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but one thing that I usually like to tell people is like a lot of the things that you do are learned. So they mm -hmm. may not intrinsically be tied to your worth there. You know, it's not something that is a part of who you are. It's just learned. So there are, you know, as much right. stressing as it can be, you know, you can walk away right. from those learned behaviors that's a choice that you can make but it's hard to do as you pointed out and you know yeah. those gentle nudges is always a really tricky thing to be able to do yeah and in therapy really is especially for body image and disordered eating is an unlearning and relearning process mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. which is very it's, it's it's very challenging and it's intense but mm -hmm. it's necessary and has helped a lot of people Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I think that was a perfect example of kind of describing what CBT is and an mm -hmm. example that of like uh, body image or disordered eating. I think that was awesome. So thank you so much for giving that. Um, sure. And so another topic that we've touched upon in our conversation thus far is, you know, how, how to approach negative body image discourse when it, ex mm -hmm. when it occurs externally. So when you have it in a conversation with a teammate or see it on social media or a coach brings it up. So, you know, if you're using either CBT or something along those lines, how does it, how do you work through these conversations with people when they have like a vastly different perspective of good and bad food and versus you or however you want to go about right, that? Right, right, right. Okay. Well, there's a, a couple, we can put, do some a play on words on this. And I am directly taking this from Amelia Boone because she's doing an awesome job uh, with her openness and advocacy and everything like that. But I love her advocate educate or get the heck away um depending on what the situation is like a conversation like let's say a coach um because a lot of times they are well-meaning and depending on you know what generation or school of thought they come from they may not be aligned <laughs> they may not be aligned with you know just the idea of how uh you know dangerous this potentially could be so private conversation is i'm not a fan of calling people out publicly on the internet or something like that um it just i i just haven't seen much good come out of it i mean maybe it's a good exercise for some to just get some frustration out but I think if there's something really to address is you go in, be nice, be respectful and make them aware of, okay, when this happens or when you say this, this is the effect. And, you know, and whether it's, whether it was something that affected you or I had a brave young lady stand up and basically make her coach aware that some of the things he was saying was uh causing some you know anxiety around eating with her teammates so she stepped up and had the conversation but i think it's just like um it, it's we want to we want to keep it as you know non-emotional as possible and just be very fact-based be very respectful um, because nobody wants to be called out or canceled because here's the deal. We're going to screw up. Um, you know, both, both sides of the coin, we're going to screw up. Um, 
So I think it's just, it, it's just going to be kind of an education and really being specific with what it is and what the effects can be. Yeah, I absolutely love that. And I echo everything you said. Like, I think that um, I'm not one either of, you know, calling, I don't like calling people out. That's not my, personally, not my time. Well, it's the same thing if you have mental health concerns in other areas. Yeah. It's a private conversation. Yes, exactly. Mm -hmm. Yep, absolutely. So I love the idea of like doing a little bit of education, but not so much so where you come off as like a know-it-all, you know, like those like, like, kind of approach to conversations. Yeah. Um, another thing that I think would be really nice too is using I statements is always really yes. helpful. Yes, like, yes, yes. I feel this way or I think I've way. noticed. I've yeah. Noticed. Exactly. Yeah. Um, instead of being like, you did this, you know, and of course people shut down as soon as you like put the you in there. Um, so yeah. yeah, that's always really helpful. Thank you so much. And so I guess, you know, looking at it a little bit differently, you know, what are your best suggestions for supporting loved ones who are struggling with body image issues? Or if you have to have the conversation, because our last question was more of like a coach or someone you get that loving relationship with. So for someone you have that loving relationship with, how do you approach a conversation like that or or support someone like that? You want to observe and kind of talk about them, about what you've observed And we want to kind of keep as much as we can the talk away from weight and food, which sounds very counterintuitive. However, it's never about food and weight. It's about the individual, how they see themselves, what they think about themselves, uh, you know, how highly identified they are with the sport they're in or something like that. And how to support is, you know, just validate their validate their experience and that okay this is really hard because I know it's kind of beaten to death now but we don't want to say why can't you just eat or something like that it's it's like I say a lot of times when there's disordered eating or body image issues it's just like a brick wall that just bounces right off so we can either just sit there and just hope it crumbles or we can take it down brick by brick and be patient with it And I think by being supportive and acknowledging their experience, I think that goes a long way. And building them up on their qualities that have nothing to do with appearance. Uh, Because let's face it, it, let's say somebody, you know, we're in later stages in life. And, you know, you look at one of your friends and do you want to remember how good of a person she was, the time you spent together, how giving she was, or that she was really pretty? You're probably not, I mean, that's probably not going to be the thing. Like somebody once said, what do you want on your headstone, which is kind of strong, where that you were really pretty or that you contributed this, that, this great stuff and you were such a loving person. Um, yeah, it's a little extreme, but I think that gets the point across. Yeah, I think that's great. And it is extreme, but it's true, right? Like we live such short lives. What do you want to be remembered for? And how do you want to yeah. share your love to others? Right? Because like, like now it's just like, when I think about it, I'm like, oh my God, I spent so many hours yeah. writing about eating and, you know, I had to look a certain way when I raced. Otherwise people were going to look at me weird or something like that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's so hard too because 
if there's, I don't know if you've experienced this, but I know I've experienced it. Like the, that period of time where I was in like that disordered eating state and eating disorder state, like sometimes now later on, I look back on it, I kind of grieve it. And I'm like, oh man, yeah. I wish in that point in time, I could give myself a little bit of extra love. Yeah. I just missed out on like six to seven years of my life because of this. And it's hard to look back on, but it's also one of those things where I never want anybody else to go through it. So I think that's yeah. why what you said yeah. is so helpful for people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And also like when it comes to the performance arena, effort is you really went for it today mm -hmm. or you've been working really hard instead of you look fit. Yeah. Um, <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I know. And because like, what, what are the heck are they even talking about? There's more than one type of fitness. There's cardio yes. fitness. There's obviously muscular strength. I yes. mean, it's, it just, it, it's just not helpful in my yeah. opinion. Yeah, I agree. And of course we have to give, I, I give credit to Lauren Ross for, she started this mini movement of like conversation or compliments you can give people that have yeah. to do with their appearance. You did such a good job with that. So good. Yeah, I love it. And so um, I think I have a few articles and listeners, I can share those in the show notes about, you know, like, I think it was like 50 compliments you can give someone that have nothing to do with their appearance. Mm -hmm. And I think it's so funny though. And I think it's a generational thing. I'm going to go off on a real quick tangent. And I think about sure. my parents and I love them so dearly, but they will always say, and it's definitely a generational thing. Oh, she looks great. And I'm like, well, don't you see how yeah. happy she is? Like, don't you hear like the yeah. things that she's done recently? And so I always, yeah. I always get on them and I'm like, Hey guys, like, did you see how happy, like, did you see her smiling? So I try yeah. to like do gentle nudges there, but yeah, it definitely, you know, how can we give people a lot of support that has nothing to do with, you know, food or body or anything like that, but just give them extra love that they may yeah. need. Yeah. And I, I think it's, there, there's two ways we can approach some of this uh, discussion is there's the whole stop talking about it, which is really hard because you tell anybody to stop doing something. Uh, I mean, it's, it's possible. My thing is like, okay, let's just add more stuff that's positive. What if we focus more on other characteristics and less about what you're eating or what you look like or anything like that? We probably don't have the time or the space to, you know, have the old conversation, which I know this is probably pretty idealistic of me. But I think like, because that's, that's one way I handle situations where maybe there's just some uncomfortable food talk, maybe we're at a brunch or something like that. And um, instead of telling them, why don't we talk about something else or kind of addressing it that way, I'll kind of do the back door and, you know, bring up something positive about, you know, if somebody's talking about how they look or whatever. Um, I recently overheard a conversation about how good somebody else looks and every now and then I will speak up um, because I, you know, I think there's, like I said, there's a time and a place, but I could tell the conversation was getting fuel and they wish they looked like her and this and that. And I'm just kind of hanging off, hanging out off to the side. And I'm like, ladies, y'all all are beautiful. It's just like, you know, it is, she looks, it's just like, you know, I had to kind of try and navigate the appearance thing, but I was just like, we got what we got and it's great. Like I, I said something like that to where, because 
we're not going to have somebody else's body because it's not ours. And, you know, that was a hard thing to, for me to, me to learn earlier in life. But now it's just like, cause you're, you know, I've always kind of seen it as like a backhand it is like a, you know, where you're kind of tearing yourself down in a sense, building somebody else up. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we don't know if this person's even doing it healthfully or not. Right. I mean, we don't know. Right. So that that's why I think we need to kind of zoom out a little bit and just look more on characteristics, actions, mm-hmm. you know, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, definitely. Absolutely. And I love your idea of like, can we add more positive, positive fuel? Yeah. I mean, it's just like, we're, we're, yeah. it's, we're, I think that will kind of, that can, hopefully can help a little bit with just some yeah. of the polarization. Definitely. With, with things because like I said like people are gonna screw up uh so yeah. we can either keep trying to eliminate something mm-hmm. or we just kind of shift our focus towards something a little bit more uh productive right yeah absolutely definitely and I think um one quote that I've been trying to and I'm not a big quote person but, mm-hmm. one, but one every quote, now and then they, they surprise us don't they it's so true and so um, one quote that I've really been trying to keep in the back of my mind lately is leave the day better than you found it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that reminds me a lot of what you're talking about here. Can we leave conversations better than we found them? You know, cause, yeah. well, especially in this context, sometimes conversations yeah. are very good, but in this context, can we leave a conversation better than we found it? Yeah. Um, so for those who are listening, you know, can you engage in a conversation in a meaningful way, um, in a way that supports your well-being, so that you walk away feeling better about yourself? Mm-hmm. Um, so we have been chatting for almost an hour now, which I love because I know you and I always have so much to do. Yeah, this is flown by. Oh my gosh, I know. So I always like to round out the podcast and finish up the episode. Um, with the question of like, what is currently making you thrive? What is making you feel fulfilled right now? What is me- making me feel feel fulfilled right now? Well, I get to get up and do my best to help others kind of move forward in life. That's always made me thrive is just the fact that, you know, I'm so lucky that, you know, a lot of my days are spent grounded in purpose. And, you know, I'm, I'm grateful for some of the negative things that I've gone through and everything, because it's, it's a great teacher. And I think just kind of learning from learning from the past, taking things and cause I'm trying to learn, you know, something, if, if not every day, at least on a weekly basis, so I can grow. I absolutely, I love what you just said about a lot of your days are grounded in purpose. Like, I mm-hmm. think that's so powerful. And for those who are listening, um, that's the truth. yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's, it, I love it. And I think that's so amazing. And for those who are listening, um, you know, Adrian, the work that she does, you know, you don't have to do her work to feel grounded in purpose. You know, I just want to like echo that for people that there are many different ways to feel purpose in life. And Adrian's doing beautiful work with folks. And, and I hope that you all are finding some purpose in your life during this insane time um, as well. Um, but Adrian, I really just want to thank you for your time and your comments and your thoughts and, and sharing your experiences. I'm so grateful. Thanks for having me back. Let's do this again. Oh my gosh, absolutely. All right, Strong Runner Chicks, thanks so much for tuning in, and we will talk to you again soon. Bye.
Thanks for listening to the Strong Runner Chicks Radio. Do us a favor and leave a review in iTunes to help spread awareness and foster the SRC community. Additionally, make sure to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter at Strong Run Chicks.